0: If you are not getting detailed blood work done, preferably every six months, but at least every year, you may be leaving one of the most valuable biohacks and ways of gaining an insight into what's going on inside of our body and our biology and the health thereof on the table. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out five or so very important markers and where you want to be on your blood test. And I'm gonna share with you a way to get your next blood test 25% off. So the first is MCV or mean cell volume. This has to do with the size of our cells. Generally speaking, when we are more inflamed or older, we see the volume of cells go up. An MCV that is pretty healthy would be in the low 80s, like an 83, 84, and when we start getting into the high 90s, 96, 97, that correlates with uh, levels of in- high levels of inflammation in the body and accelerated cellular aging. The second is vitamin D, specifically from sunlight. We can all boost our vitamin D by taking high amounts of supplemental vitamin D, but to really get the... The, the, the photonic energy that comes from the sun and all of the mitochondrial and, and um, thermoregulatory benefits thereof, you want to have your vitamin D between 50 and 70 or even higher, but getting it from sunlight rather than supplements. Now, if you can't get there because you're not willing to make the lifestyle changes, you're not in a position to for whatever reason, then you can use a high UVB tanning bed or in some cases supplementation in order to do so. The next is a marker for immune health, and this is your neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. You want that to be about one to one. So, if that neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio is off, it could be a sign that your immune system is struggling or at least in need of a little bit of help. Um, ALT is when it's elevated, it can be an early warning sign of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So we like to see our ALT under 24. And if it's too much higher than that, there are ways to take care of your liver via milk thistle, coffee enemas, etc. The last couple. Uh, high sensitive high sensitivity C reactive protein or HScrP you want that under 0.5 for men you want testosterone preferably definitely over 600 but preferably over 800 nanograms per deciliter you want your free testosterone which is also uh, important over 20 PG per ml and you want your ferritin in that 60 to 80. Range Now, obviously, the testosterone and free testosterone doesn't apply to women, but just about all of the others do. And if you guys have not had blood work done in the past six months, the easiest way for you to do that and save 25% is by going to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony. We've set up an awesome 25% discount for you. That's at I N S -S I D E T R A C K E R dot com forward slash Anthony. I'm a big fan of their ultimate plan that comes with all of the bells and whistles. And what makes Inside Tracker really cool is they give you personalized recommendations for gut health, overall health, injury prevention, recovery, building endurance, lowering stress. And it's super simple. You basically, in a few steps, step one, you purchase your Inside Tracker plan by going to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony. Uh, you get your blood draw. then you get your results and then you get your personalized recommendations and you have it all in one place. You can track your improvements over time. And if at some point in the future you decide you want to work with someone like myself, you'll already have Uh, valuable data points that we can apply to give you even more personalized recommendations. So if you guys want to take advantage of that 25% off and get some of those insights into what's going on in your body and biology, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony, select their ultimate plan or any of the offerings at the insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony website and enjoy. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind but now I see. Working
1: jobs we hate so we buy shit
0: we don't need. Ideas are bricklay. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now
1: organized and available. Now you fucking khakis.
0: Life moves pretty fast.
1: The Biohacking Secret Show. Well, hey there, young man. How are you? Hello, sir. I'm doing great. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. Looking forward to this. Yes, I
0: am as well. Thank you for uh, taking the time out to share your wisdom. Delighted. Honored. Um, I'm excited to talk science, psychology, theology. You know, all the basics. Tie it all um, together. How yeah, t- beautiful, beautiful. I've just, um, I've been exploring theology a little bit more. I'm fascinated by some of the things that you know may have been taken out of or changed in the sacred text things that we can apply to our lives to live better or or purposely hidden or purposely hidden that's my biggest interest a lot yeah um so i'm excited to talk about that i thought we'd kind of start with a little bit of your origin story and uh how you got into this and then we'll we'll talk about your book and uh you know aramaic forgiveness and all sorts of fun stuff
1: Great. Well, my start actually was pre-birth. The last six days I was in utero, my mother had toxemia and they gave her Pitocin to try to kick me out. And on the sixth day, uh, they contacted my father and said, if you want to see this kid alive, you better get down here because he's not going to make it through the night. Next 25 years, I lived on an inhalator and pills. Uh, First two weeks of school every year, I was in an oxygen tent in the hospital. And about the age of 25 or so, it's like this stuff's keeping me alive, but it's killing me. I can't do this. I had to find healing. And that started a search that has gone on since then. Wow. At one point, I was in the business world at that point, And it, uh, I, I had three businesses, about 60 employees. And one morning, I w- woke up, walked away, went back to school, and uh, moved into the arena of what's this thing called life and healing about. So That's my start. Beautiful. I mean, I've noticed a connection with people
0: that have either dealt with illness, serious illness, had near-death experiences and um, sort of a a perspective shift that many of those individuals experience where they no longer fear death or they're um, living on purpose, if you will. Was that a part of your journey? Is that something that you've observed or? um...
1: Absolutely. In fact, I do a workshop called Purpose, Personal Power and Commitment, inviting people to bypass the brainwash of the culture and tap into what they're really here for, who they are and what their real purpose is. And as opposed to a near-death experience, what I see people having is near-life experiences. Most people, when it comes to true human life, are actually already dead. When these, this, what I call a carbon-based memory system, the body-mind unit, goes through clinical death, it shuts off, it shuts up. And when it shuts up, you get a chance to experience your life, who you really are. My, my definition for life is, I, and, and you know, there aren't enough words in any of our languages to describe what it is, but there's an experiential definition that I use, and I invite people to go back to the moment when they first held a newborn child. Do you have any children? I don't. I, I would okay. like to have some in the future. Have you ever held a newborn? I have. Okay. If you go back to the moment where you held that newborn and you were to bypass everything that was going on inside of you and just tap into the essence of the newborn, is there a word that you use to describe the essence of the newborn? Innocence. Innocence. Yeah. Anything else?
0: Clarity, purity, presence. Presence.
1: It's a question i've asked myself and my wife have asked that's the word of tens of tens of thousands of people over the years yeah. and 100% of the time the answer is always some variation on the theme of love yeah why because we all know what human life if we've ever held a newborn even if it's a newborn kitten we know what life is and the definition i use for life you know we're talking about biohacks what are we trying to hack we're trying to get more life into the system if you go back to that fellow 2000 years ago that they did his teachings go. you find that he says i come to bring you life he didn't say i come to bring you dogma and doctrine and all kinds of crazy stuff he says i come to bring you life uh-huh. and bring it more abundantly what is mm-hmm. life my offering is that life is the movement of love through a cell uh-huh. and when love is moving through a cell there is life when we do things to inhibit it we die or we shut down and become diseased and start to fall apart. So to me, that's the first order of business is that presence of active love that really is life.
0: Life is the movement of love, love through, through a cell. cell. I like that. Yeah. And and it ties into some of the practices that you teach for overcoming trauma and things from our past that, that may have resulted in guilt, blame, fear, or other wounds. It's, it's this concept of like moving energy, or in this case, moving love, you know, finding it, amplifying it, and allowing it to move. Okay. Um,
1: <clears throat> for when you for, put something in the way of it, and inhibit its flow that's when the cell starts to die and the huh. primary things that generationally we've been brainwashed into engaging in and our culture is so engaged in is it's every variation on the theme of hostility or fear when we go into hostility or fear we shut down the flow of life through us and that's when death begins and it's interesting if you go, you know, speaking about the Aramaic, in the Aramaic language, the word sin has got nothing to do with the, what the Greeks told us about this terrible, awful, evil thing that you've done. The word sin is simply an archery term. When I fire at the bullseye and I miss the bullseye, scarkeeper yells, sin, you're off the mark. When I put an energy into this tissue structure that's off the mark, sin, I inhibit the flow of life. When they said the wages of sin is death, that wasn't some kind of theological threat. That was physiology. Here's how you kill yourself. You inhibit mm-hmm. the flow of love through your structure. When you do, a cell cut off from love begins to die.
0: Hmm. So someone who knows, you know, I, I've told this story a couple of times, but at one of our men's events in 2017, I had this feeling that I was off the mark. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And the yoga instructor that, that I had kind of teaching an early morning class down by the water, she said, the longest journey that any of us have to take is from our head to our heart. And in that moment, I recognized that that was, that was the feeling of me being off the mark. I was way too up in my head. Yeah. For someone listening who recognizes that there is a greater need for them to amplify love and allow that love to move through their cells, what are, what are,
1: what's the starting place? You know, first of all, just acknowledging and owning that it's happening. You know, that person who goes through clinical death gets a chance at a near life experience. Once that happens, all that fear of death, all that stuff disappears because somebody's had a direct experience of who we are. We come into the world and in most family systems, the presence of love is knocked out of us. And then we're sent out into the world to find somebody to love us. And it now becomes crazy time.
0: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And we end up, you know, the kids had a song back a few decades ago, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. Mm-hmm. You can't get it from somebody. You can't give it to somebody. It's what you are. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Lenin, said, you know, probably responsible for more deaths on planet Earth than anybody in history, says the way you destroy a culture is change the meaning of its words. Mm-hmm. When you've got a set of instructions for something it works, but you change the meaning of the words, all of a sudden the instructions are gone. And mm-hmm. that's why I've worked diligently the last 40 years to go back to understanding the first century meanings of those words in Aramaic and the technology for removing death energies that are off the mark is right there in the Aramaic language. And it deals with unconscious dynamics. So Freud was given a few decades ago the uh, the Nobel Prize for discovering the unconscious. He no more discovered the unconscious and fly in the air. It's built right into the syntax of the Aramaic language. They understood exactly how the unconscious worked and how it influenced perception, decisions, and behaviors. And they knew how to clean it up. And somebody turned it into a religion.
0: Mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, from March 2020 until now, Coming up on a year later, I've seen cognitive dissonance. I've seen people that are that I consider to be highly intelligent, even even geniuses, uh, avoid or, or, or fail to recognize some of the things that seem, you know, hidden in plain sight to me. You've mentioned a few times some of the disinformation or things that were taken out of sacred texts. What do you think are some of the biggest uh, misguided beliefs or things that are kind of injected and, and uh, promoted in our society that keep us off the mark, that keep us out of love in these states of fear, anger, etc.?
1: Almost every key word in understanding life and living as a human being as it was presented in the Aramaic, was changed by the Greeks. So forgiveness is one. The Greeks told us, the Western world, you did something really terrible that caused all this pain inside of me, but it's okay, I'll forgive you. I'll let you off the hook for the pain that's happening inside of me. Well, pain is just a signal that there's an energy in my system that doesn't belong here. It's inside of me. It isn't caused from outside of me. But when I lie to myself and tell me how you did it to me, literally, I get to generate a whole perceptual construct in my mind that shows me that you're the cause of what's going on inside of me. So Mm -hmm. now I'm told if I just let you off the hook, then everything will be okay. And I could line up seven and a half billion people and shake the hands of everyone and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I've done nothing to change what's going on inside of me. You know, one of my favorite tongue-in-cheek lines in my workshops is you'll notice if you've been through a particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people you're the only one that was there every time Hmm. and when you realize that you start to go oh yeah this is about me so forgiveness is a tool with which I collapse my lies the lies my mind has been trained to tell me I collapse that and I drop into my unconscious I drop into the place where my problem is go back to the ancient scriptures. They didn't say, take care of the other guy for out of them are the issues of life. They said, take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. What's the word heart mean in Aramaic? It means the unconscious. You need to look at your own unconscious dynamics. How do you do that? That's exactly what forgiveness in Aramaic gives you the opportunity to do. The Greeks turned it backward. Love, they turned it backward. Love is sexual athletics or self-sacrifice or a thousand other things. The last thing that they tell us that love is is exactly who and what we are. And we could go right on down the line to just about every important key. There's actually a a four hour video that I do called Aramaicisms. And that's a term that I coined to represent our efforts to bring the original meanings of Aramaic words and concepts back into the English language. There are certain words that I mean, it takes a whole paragraph to explain, to, to lay out in Aramaic. If you go to, say for instance, the Beatitudes, the first words word in each of the Beatitudes we're told by the Greeks is, blessed are they. So we see that blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, not even close. In Aramaic, the word is tuvehun, and tuvehun is a three-part word. And in essence, here's the paragraph it takes to understand what that word means. And it's not blessed are they. It says, a latent neural structure implanted by the creator to guide you to happiness and well-being becomes your conscious possession, you who, and then each of the Beatitudes is an instruction set. So if you remember the, the, the first Beatitude, we're told by the Greek says, blessed are they who are poor in spirit. Well, in Aramaic, what it says is a latent neurostructure structure implanted by the creator to guide you to happiness and well-being becomes your conscious possession, you whose home... Is in the eternal forces from the Creator, not poor, but a fly speck. There are there are characters in Aramaic called a jot and a tittle. You might remember this. Nobody would even change one jot or tittle. Well, they sure did. But it, it's one of them is, is like a fly speck on a piece of paper. So the word home in Aramaic with a fly speck becomes poor. We know the Greeks were translating, and the Western scholars will never admit this. But the Greeks were translating from Aramaic texts, and the word poor became, or home became poor. What do you do with that? I've heard preachers preach some pretty wild sermons on trying to make it make sense of being poor in that very connection that this man Yeshua said, I come to connect you. Remember that connection. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we could go right on down the line. That's a four-hour video I do with an Aramaic scholar uh, that I know, and we could go right on down the line, and word after word after word, the meanings have been changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the
1: key one and the core one, I think, is forgiveness. And why is that? Well, let's lay a foundation. So we're told here's another lie of the culture. And virtually everybody who asks believes, you know, I mean, have you ever looked out and seen anything happen in the world? Most of us say, well, yeah, I see it all the time. No, you don't. You've never seen anything in the world. You've never seen with your eyes because eyes can't see. Eyes are literally, we live in an energetic world, eyes are a receiving antenna, literally a frequency device. One way and one way only in. You can't see out. It's not a set of windows. According to the light energy and the other sensory data that comes in, information is resonated within the mind and the mind literally generates the perceptual construct of a world out there. This is something I've been teaching for decades, and we actually came across a nice piece of verification of it back, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago. And people can go to the, uh, uh, the website CIA.gov. The CIA spent, I don't know how many millions of dollars studying perception to try to um, you know, get their the best intelligence possible from their analysts and quote, In their chapter the book is actually entitled uh, The Study of Human Intelligence. You can download it free on their website. In the chapter on perception, here the CIA quote says, the mind does not record reality. The mind generates reality. You've never seen anything with your eyes but we've been tricked into thinking we're looking out through windows and we're seeing what's there. Once i realize that everything that my mind generates as a construct tells me more about the content of my mind than the world i think i'm looking at. I got a big lake up and starting to clean up my own internal database. Mm-hmm. But we've got this whole lie that tells us, well we see the world out there as it is and you know we're really looking at them. Mm-hmm. I kind of have another tongue-in-cheek line that I like to deliver, though, and that is, you know, have you ever said to someone, you made me mad, you hurt me, you upset me, You that really disturbed me. They, It's like, question, if they're the one with the problem, why are you the one with the pain? Pain's a signal there's an energy moving that doesn't belong. It's not a signal that somebody else screwed up. Now, somebody else might have screwed up. True. But whether they screwed up or not, if I'm in pain, I've got an energy within myself that I need to learn to remove or it's going to destroy me. I need to learn to forgive that. So forgiveness, you know, people say, so I need to forgive myself. No, never forgive anybody for anything. What do you mean? I thought you taught forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness. Collapse the perceptual lies of your mind. There's some interesting Harvard research. It says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells are firing, there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity firing off, your perceptual construct contains a maximum of nine bits of data, nine chunks of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing. And those nine bits always are a reflection of what's inside of you. And the feelings created when they move are always what's happening inside of you. If you want to change what's happening inside of you, you've got to go in there and change it. You know, I love what one of the, the quotes that I love from uh, from Carl Jung. He says, those who look without, in other words, live in a perceptual construct through their mind. Those who look without, dream. Those who look within, awaken. Mm-hmm. My work's about getting people to awaken. Do you remember the
0: moment that you started to awaken when, when you kind of left your business and started on this journey around the age of 25? <laughs>
1: It, uh, it actually has happened in many, many stages. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. And I can say that I've had some of the most important awakening experiences in my life in the last 10 years. hmm. So there's a starting point, you know, when somebody realizes, wow, that's possible. That's a real, that's actually what can happen. I could live literally physiologically connected to active, present love and experience that, you know, what the Eastern mystics called the the nirvana, the bliss. I could experience that 24, 7, 365. Yay, I want to be there yesterday. Well, they were doing that 2000 years ago and they said, you can't storm the gates. You can't go there prematurely. You have such a massive multi-generational database called your body-mind unit, and there was a, came a point, and it involves what we call a power person, there came a point where you linked into its perceptual constructs as who you were. You might remember them saying in the ancient scriptures, in order for you to live, you've got to die wait a minute, what does that mean? I put a bullet to my head to live, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, when you realize that there's true being, there's who you are, and then there's this false construct that comes out of interactions with what we identify as a power person. And when we fall into identification with that self, that's the self that was being spoken of that had to die. It has to be removed mm-hmm. in order to make a space for the true being that we are to show up in physiology. And it's beyond the experience of it. When you taste it is beyond anything that words can even start to describe. I don't care how excited you are about the latest, whatever. It's a thousand steps beyond that. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a work. It's a process. It takes time. People who are willing to engage in the work, get to that experience. Mm-hmm. Those who are carry on with, you know, the games the world plays. hmm. And it's pretty mm-hmm.
0: bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I think back through parts of my journey and like I did the Bufo Alvarius, the Sonoran Desert Toad in, in 2018. That was like a 5-MeO DMT. And I, you know, I was told by the shaman beforehand that I was going to think I was dying and I wasn't dying and just to relax with it. The self was dying. The self was dying. Oh. Um, and, and And that was a big... A, a big turning point for me to be comfortable with that. And to, you know, I expected to come out with like pages and pages of notes. And the only thing I wrote down were three words and it was lead with love. And then in, in near in, life experience, a near life experience. Right. Uh, and then 2019 with, with ayahuasca. And now I'm, I'm not, you know, the reason I mentioned these medicines is because both sort of involve this feeling of the self dying, at least temporarily. Um, Are there ways for our listeners to do this without plant medicine? And, you know, do you you use holotropic breathing, meditation, prayer? What are your practices?
1: Well, I do a radio show five days a week and I've been doing it for 10 years. If you went back to our first show 10 years ago and listened to every hour five days a week for the last 10 years, I would talk about nothing other than that. This is at whyagain.org? Whyagain.org. Actually, we've got some uh, some specials. We're this is something we're just setting up, and it may not be online for a day or two. But there's a free copy of my book. Why is this happening to me again? There's a the world's only forgiveness app. We've got a link to that. We've got a link to the why and how of forgiveness, a forgiveness worksheet, the core tool that I teach is forgiveness, and what happens with forgiveness when you realize that you know that ten thousand brain cells are firing. Your brain generates a picture that you think is out there, but it's really a picture of what's in here. And if you can collapse that, if, if it's coming from a space of hostility and fear instead of love, if you can collapse that, what happens? It collapses in on itself. And when it collapses in on itself, that's the most effective and reliable way to consistently, persistently contact the unconscious dynamics that those painful experiences are coming from. When you open that pathway through forgiveness, a la first century Aramaic, and you bring forward the unconscious dynamic that's in need of healing in the presence of active love, human life, there's a transmutation that takes place. That's forgiveness when that's disappeared, when that's dissipated and so that's the main tool and then we've got a whole other series of tools that we teach and there are dozens of worksheets on our website we do healing through relationships communications you hear what i think i said purpose personal power and commitment empowered to heal mind shifters still point breathing is a tool that we use different than holotrophic breath but it's a way of breathing you'll notice whenever people are in trauma whenever people don't want to deal with their lives first thing to do is hold the breath mm-hmm. Interestingly, if you go back to the Aramaic translations of the uh, scriptures, you find a creation story back there in Genesis. And we're told that by the Greeks that God sent out his spirit. In Aramaic, it's not what it says. It says God sent out his breath. It's our direct link to love, to the creative force. And when people shut the breath down, they literally dissociate from content in their mind and create an unnatural condition called an unconscious mind. You remember they said the veil of the temple must be rent in twain. Now the churchianity translated that as a purple curtain in the church has to be ripped in two. No, this is the temple. The veil is the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious. Until we can open that and resolve those unconscious dynamics, and again forgiveness is the most, Aramaic forgiveness is the most reliable consistent, persistent way of doing that. And if people will take the tool and use it, they will step into a a way of thinking that changes everything, especially the content of their physiology. Now, my offering is that the mind hasn't got to do with the brain. The mind functions through every cell in the structure. And wherever we store information that is of a disintegrative nature, there's gonna be dis-ease in that tissue. It's not gonna function properly. One of the ways that that dis energy became locked in the tissue was by holding the breath. When you restore the breath properly, and that's what still point breathing is about, then you open that veil, you start to access those things, and you move into what I call process. And process in this work, I define as the ability to hold love, as you said, lead with love. I mean, you just said it all. There's nothing else to say. When when love is conscious, active, and present within this structure, anything that we access out of the unconscious, anything generationally that's unlike love, will be removed from the structure. One of the things on that landing page, and again, it's whyagainwelcome.org. W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N. Welcome.org. We actually set this up since we first started talking with you about doing this. So we we actually got a new domain name just for this show, at least it'll be the starting point. And so one of the things we'll have on there will be a link. We had a we do online intensive workshops with people. And recently there was a woman who did a really powerful piece of work. She was having some heart difficulties in the hospital. And realizing that it was something that had gone on in a generational way, she used one of the tools that we offer and opened a dialogue with her, it was either her grandfather or her great-grandfather who came over from Lithuania, I believe it was, you know, left behind what was a tragic, traumatic, starving life to come to the streets paved with gold and found that it was a traumatic, tragic life. And they literally, a hole in the ground to have cover, uh, to have shelter, and didn't know if his family was going to starve. And he explains to her why he was so rageful and abusive with his wife and his children, and uh, they were able to resolve that rage through the compassion she was able to hold for him. So, you know, there are many tools for accessing both what's in us and those generational patterns. So literally, as an energy system, every thought we think is stored holographically in every cell in the structure, including the sperm and the egg. Were you to conceive a child tomorrow, that child would have in its structure every thought you've ever thought, every feeling you've ever felt, every reality you've ever engaged in, Mm -hmm. and the generations before you. In the scriptures, they spoke about it this way. They said, the sins of the fathers will be passed, yea, unto three and four generations. Mm -hmm. Now, that's been translated as, or at least. I can remember being a kid and being told that it was some kind of threat. God's going to get you for what your fathers did. But what they're telling us is how physiology works. The energetic patterns that are off the mark, sin, sins of the fathers, will be passed to four generations. Like who told us that literally every thought, every feeling, every perceptual construct of the 30 lives, four generations before us, was in our genes. Mm-hmm. and became the foundation when we shifted out of being into this carbon-based memory system became the foundation of the perceptual output of our mind instead of this neural structure that was planned for us mm-hmm. and when it's an hostility and fear-based mindset, then whenever the mind is in hostility, it will always present a a perceptual construct that's threatening. Whenever the mind's in fear, it will always present a perceptual, pardon me, that's irritating. When in fear, it'll present a perceptual construct that's threatening. And when you realize that and you start to apply forgiveness, you collapse those things. And you literally can start to drop into the generational patterns and remove them. And when you think, you know, if you go back four generations, including yourself, that's 31 lives. But where did the fourth generation back get theirs? Who got them from? Who got if you go back just 30 generations, we're talking about 1.6 billion lives. You think about the suffering in our bloodline in 1.6 billion lives. You think about how many clenched jaws there were, how many clenched fists, how many clenched guts in 1.6 billion people of your bloodline. And realize energetically that becomes the foundation of the perceptual constructs of your mind. And our invitation in this work is to recognize that every energetic pattern that has been clenched into bone. And if that doesn't make sense to somebody, just next time you clench your jaw or your fist or your gut, just pay attention to your thoughts. That's what you're locking into, the deepest parts of your structure. And our invitation is to develop the skill and the ability to open those things and literally to remove them from our structure and become freed of it.
0: Here's why friends don't let friends vaccinate. Fear does not stop death. It stops life. And worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. The COVID quote-unquote vaccine is not a vaccine. They've said it will take multiple doses and even then require continuous reinjection. That's a drug, not a vaccine. Add to that that this is the first ever mRNA vaccine, which, contrary to the propaganda websites and news outlets out there, debunking the real risks, has the potential to change our genetic makeup, perhaps even making a legal case that humans who have received the vaccine have now been genetically modified, almost like a GMO. Let that sink in for a moment. And then you take into that, into consideration the fact that multiple countries are showing dozens of adverse effects. Hank Aaron, the Major League Baseball star, died just within a a week of getting the COVID vaccine. And there are many more cases, far too many to even name here. This is part of the reason that many of us have decided to be the change that we want to see in the world. And we are forming a regenerative, community-sufficient tribe living in harmony with nature in Western North Carolina. Here's a little bit of the community guidelines and manifesto for those of you guys that may be interested. It's going to be off-grid power. So each home is going to have their own power, either through propane, solar, hydroelectric, wood stoves, or some combination thereof. Uh, There's going to be no Wi-Fi or wireless electricity, but we will have wired internet connections that are faster and healthier. parcel of land on the property. Each home site is going to have spring water for drinking, bathing, and gardening. We have a regenerative philosophy that we're bringing. So if, for example, we need to cut down five trees to put in a road, we're going to plant 10. Um, We believe that we are divine creators in the image of God and that the laws of God uh, belong above the laws of man. We're going to encourage gardening, growing some or all of your own food. Many people don't realize this, but a family of four can be fed on just a quarter acre. Um, We're going to be connected to our local law enforcement, particularly the local sheriff. We're going to be attending um, meetings and lobbying for laws that uphold the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our freedom, and the health and sustainability, I know that's a buzzword, uh, of, of mother nature. We're going to focus on the good, the true, and the beautiful. Um, our currency is going to be trading of goods and services, um, possibly silver, possibly gold, but not relying on uh, you know paper money that's not backed by anything and certainly headed for a crash, or uh, the cryptocurrency, which is um, part of you know this sort of slavery system that they're kind of trying to usher the unsuspecting into, uh, we believe our greatest assets are our community, our character, and our health. Family is wealth. Uh, no mask, no vax. There's going to be community homeschooling. Uh, it's critical that we teach our children, as they are our future. So we're going to be big on practicing critical thinking, challenging convention, seeking wisdom, not information. There's going to be no usury, so no charging interest on any loaned money. And all of us are going to be looking to add value, leaving everyone in our community better than we found them. Um, If you're interested in learning more about how you could possibly be a part of this community, You can go to biohackercoaching.com. I want to be forthright and respect your time. The minimum investment is a 25K donation that guarantees a a quarter acre plot of land, Uh, 75K guarantees uh, a full acre of land, and 195K guarantees three acres of land. And our community is a beautiful mix of entrepreneurs, healers, yogis, health professionals, families, and individuals who value freedom, connection, and living in harmony with Mother Earth. Uh, this sounds funny, but after 2020, you got to say it. All religions, except for Satanism and Luciferianism, are valued and welcome. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, as long as God's at the top, um, that's all that matters. So yeah, you can learn more about that and grab a time for us to talk at BiohackerCoaching.com. Just please make sure that you know the you're financially qualified. And if you would like to request, after you've filled out your application, if you'd like to request that it is moved to the front of the line, you can text Community VIP to 847 989 3743. It's fascinating that you bring that up because the other day I was sitting in the sauna and I just kind of was, was praying, speaking. And I said, you know, it is, it is my intention to, um, to live as a more enlightened being. And it was almost like I didn't get words back, but like the response that I got was, then you need to learn to relax more. And well, I was just aware of how tense I was sitting in the sauna and hearing you speak about clenched fists and tight jaws. And it was that
1: that's, the sympathetic nervous system being active. Yeah, and we have to find ways again to consistently, persistently move from that sympathetic state to the parasympathetic. For many reasons, but one of the main ones is for simple blood flow within the structure. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at you know we arteries and veins, medicine talks about, but they don't really have much they can do with capillaries. Mm-hmm. But only capillaries deliver blood to a cell. Only capillaries deliver nutrition, oxygen to a cell. Only capillaries remove acidic waste, carbon dioxide, and acidic waste from a cell. And if the blood cell, the red blood cell, can't get in there to deliver its oxygen nutrition, it can't pick up the acidic carbon dioxide and waste, and you're in trouble. And at the head of 60 billion capillaries, each capillary, there's a thing called a precapillary orifice. So at the head of each capillary, which is about the tenth the width of a hair, there are muscle fibers. If you're in a sympathetic state, those muscle fibers are locked all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's an inherited kind of thing for protection. Jeez, if a lion's chasing you and gets to your legs, you want the blood to flow to stop fast, close down the capillaries. Mm-hmm. And people who live in a sympathetic state shut down that flow of blood. When you can get that precapillary orifice to, to muscle fibers to soften, then that orifice opens and the red blood cell can get in more easily if you eat the sad diet standard american diet and you think this is the way americans generally do with hostility or fear then the next key in circulation that's happened is especially if you're eating junk fat is the red blood cell which in its natural state when that precapillary orifice is open the red blood cell won't go into the capillary it has to flex and fold itself it's called erythrocyte deformability erythrocyte's a red blood cell deformability means i can bend well when it becomes hardened with junk oils and junk thinking then even if the capillary is open that red blood cell can't get in there what you have to do is heat the blood by 1 degree when you heat the blood di- by one degree, you improve the erythrocyte deformability. Now the red blood cell can get into the relaxed muscles. Somebody's in a, a parasympathetic state. The red blood cell can get in. It can start chipping it away at the acidic deposits, can remove the acidic carbon dioxide, deliver oxygen nutrition, and now you've got a whole different thing. You can eat all the most wonderful food and have all the most wonderful pills and potions and herbs and everything. If you can't get into the cell, it's not much use if you don't have that microcirculation handled.
0: I think of, you know, getting out in the sun, using the sauna, as I mentioned, taking a warm bath or a hot bath, exercise, uh, breath work. When how do you heat your body up?
1: Well, there's a, there's an interesting uh, article in Discover Magazine. Let me see the dates. March 21st, 2017. Soak in a hot bath. It's uh, some research done at Borough University and talks about a hot bath raising the, by the blood temperature by one degree. Or as you say, you can do it in a sauna. Uh, you can go out and exercise. On it. You can get yourself a, an infection and the blood temperature well, changes everything in the function of the structure. But you know, most of those ways are pretty messy and most people aren't going to do them very regularly. There's actually a simple device that, uh, that we represent that we carry and distributors of called an Avacyn. And the Avicen is a device. It's about the size of a bread box. And what it does is it uses the palm of your hand. Your hand is a heat exchanger. You know, you think about, you get sweaty, you get overheated. What happens? Your palms sweat. Your body's trying to dump heat, trying to get rid of heat. Or you get cold. What do you do? Literally creating friction creates heat. It's absorbed into the blood and literally distributed throughout the whole body. Well, what the Avicen does, you put your hand into the Avacyn. And there's a a plastic cuff, something like a blood pressure cuff that tightens or loosely, but it wraps around your hand and seals it. And then it sets up a vacuum. There's a vacuum chamber and a heat plate. You put your hand on the heat plate and the vacuum chamber causes the blood vessels to distend, which puts more blood into the hand and it starts to heat the blood without any sweating you can lay comfortably on your bed at night before you go to sleep you can sit and watch tv you can sit and work on the computer i actually every day when i do my radio show my hand is in the avicen ah. and within within about it takes from the time the blood leaves your hand to the time it gets back to your hand is about 3 minutes within three rounds your all of the blood you've got a whole body treatment of blood warmed by 1 degree you've opened the capillaries the Red blood cell is now able to deform itself and get into the capillary. It now starts to flush out the uh, acidic waste that build up, literally crusted waste, and carbon dioxide, which is an acidic gas. When you get excessive amounts of carbon dioxide, acidic fluids don't hold oxygen very well. And so it cleans that out and restores balance throughout the whole structure. It's actually a class two medical device that's approved for uh, relaxation, for muscle relaxation and for pain. In Europe, it's the only non-drug approved treatment for fibromyalgia. Amazing little machine. And, you know, people can do it three or four times a day. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to get uncomfortable. You don't have to go take a shower after the sauna or after the run or the bicycle ride. It's, It's the most amazing way. Changes blood sugar. You look at the research from Loughborough, that article that I talked about in Discover, and they talk about how blood sugar is reduced. Uh, people with uh, diabetes, they just did a, a diabetes study, just released it from uh, University of California, San Diego, on the avicen And they said that the using the avicen for 30 minutes after a meal drops blood sugar by 60 points. And it's the equivalent of a 60-minute brisk walk. So that's the easiest way I know to warm the blood and get all of those things happening.
0: That's, that's fascinating. You know, a company, it may have been Avison, had sent me one a few years ago, and I, was, I wore it a few times when I was going to bed. Um, but then I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd have my arm in the thing, and thinking about doing it during a podcast would be great. That'd be much easier, and I'd, I'd stick with it more.
1: If you'd like, I'll send you one to try out.
0: I'd love it. I'll give it, I'll give it a try. I'll use it while I uh, record podcasts. That's a well, great time to, to get do it. Your,
1: uh, your uh, mailing address, you know, drop me a text with it and I'll, I'll get one out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. great. Thank you. And for people listening that want to pick one up, where's, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Is it why again, And then is there a well, link for the app? There'll
1: be a link there that they okay. can, uh, can go right to it. Yes.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm interested. What, what do you eat? You know, there's there's we've got so so many people that are uh, champions of the carnivore diet, people that are on the vegan diet and everywhere in between. Where do you fall on the spectrum?
1: Well, my take would be that if you eat anything without following the lead that you got in that medicine experience, lead with love. Yeah. You turn to garbage. Doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you may be able to go a little higher on the scale, a little lower, but if hostility and fear, what's running the system, you're in trouble. So first order of business to me would be to make sure that you're in a state of conscious, active, present love. And then, of course, it makes a difference what you eat. And, and I eat a fairly broad um, vegetarian diet. I've been vegetarian for... Uh, one of my businesses was I had a steak and lobster house, and I used to think I was really eating high on the hog. and Actually, I was, but uh, realized that wasn't really human food. If you look at um, at every natural, you know, they're not affected by Madison Avenue. You look at every natural vegetarian animal and our digestive system, our physiological structure, our skin, everything is parallel with the vegetarian animal. So I'm a vegetarian. When we do our intensives, We have a a teaching center in the Ozarks in Southern Missouri called Heartland, and we do anything from nine to 60-day residential intensives there in the summer. And when we do that, we do a total fresh and raw dietary regimen. Nothing is cooked. Everything is fresh and raw. And what we found is that when people get the full enzyme activity of fresh and raw food, and they're... Chewing properly, they learn how to chew. They learn that you know fluids don't support digestion very well. You know people who drink a big gulp with a meal just did a travesty to their digestion. You know you take the big gulp; it's ice cold. The enzymes that cause digestion to happen are active within a two or three de- degree temperature range. Pour a one quart big gulp on that and see what happens to digestion. The digestive secretions that the body puts out are designed to digest the food that you've taken in. Pour a quart of water on top of it and see what kind of, uh, of uh, dilution you have of the digestive secretions. Um, water is also used by people to not have to chew. Oh, I can take a hump and gulp it down. If the, the first phase of digestion happens in the mouth, if food isn't chewed to liquid, digestion does not take place. Properly anywhere within the system. We're pretty highly adaptive, but there are some of the things that I think are important. And mm-hmm. as I say, the fresh and raw, we found that uh, one of the things people do, one of the, the primary drugs in this culture is food.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: one of the other primary drugs, probably the most common drug, is busyness. Oh, I'm too busy. Okay. Hostility. You know, they, they talk of hostility as an emotion. Hostility is not an emotion. Hostility is an anesthetic. It's a drug. Whenever you can get somebody who's in a high state of hostility to drop that hostility, they'll drop right into their pain. It's always a cover for pain, just like alcohol, just like cocaine, just like anything that's used in, a, in an addictive sense. And in my work, I define addiction as a use of any person, place, circumstance, substance or activity to keep from hearing and following our highest guidance that comes from being, or to keep from feeling and dealing with what's going on inside of us, our painful experiences.
0: That's great advice. Um, and just before we kind of you know, bring bring this plane home, I have one or two more questions for you, but um, can you speak a little bit more on those Heartland intensives that you guys do? Who are those for? What can they expect if, if, if they were to explore that?
1: Well, we're we're actually with COVID going on last summer, we didn't open because of COVID. And I don't know how it's looking at this point for this summer. We've basically got a space there where we we limit our intensives to 30 people. It's a residential facility. We do the food we do and people get a chance to learn the fresh and raw hands on food preparation. We have accommodations, a teaching space. And basically, we'll do anything, as I say, from nine days up to 60 days. And in a nine-day intensive, we'll present several different workshops, several different tools. And as well as what in our main nine-day, we do a thing we call hand-on hands-on energy field work. My background's in electronics with a side study in physics. And what I know from that work is that every energy system has an antenna. Now, if you've got a an TV antenna on the roof and somebody goes up and bends all the arms and turns the antenna backward, you're not gonna have much of a picture. There's not gonna be an energy exchange as needed. The bony structure, the head, the spine, and the pelvis are our antenna. And if it's out of alignment, then there are energetic patterns in the structure that aren't working properly. You know, if a, let's say the, the, you know, people think when the baby's soft spot hardens that the head is fixed, it's not. Your head is actually a self-adjusting antenna that's continually, it's only a millimeter or two, but continually doing this. And with all the fine bones in here, it's a major change when you move from what they call flexion to extension. And that antenna brings in totally different frequencies. So let's say, you know, we've got a kid and his dad used to give him a clip in the air, hit him across the head and locked up the parietal bone. Well, let's say that, that, and I'm not saying this is the factual connection, but let's say that parietal bone is what feeds the liver. And if it's locked up, the liver's not getting what it needs. They'll go in and say, oh, he's got the liver disease. Let's, you know, surgery it. Let's drug it. Let's see if we can get it to work. What you have to do is restore the power supply to it. And so we teach people hands-on energy field work for restoring the flow of energy through the system, the the still point breath process, and then the tools for opening the dissociated parts of the mind. When, When people live in a state of denial, and our definition of denial is whenever I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of what's moving inside of me, I'm in denial. When I'm in denial, I hold my breath when I hold my breath, I dissociate from the content of my own mind. Literally, I lock it away and I hallucinate a whole world where I can say, see, I I can see all the evidence that they did it to me. Mm -hmm. Again, I've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people. It obviously isn't all about them. And Mm -hmm. so collapsing that dissociated mind's output is the key uh, that forgiveness does. And it opens that veil, that barrier opens the breath to move and process out the disintegrative energies of one's own lifetime experience and or out of the generational patterns.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great advice. <clears throat> I'm thinking, you know, you, you've kind of inspired me here with your fresh and raw food recommendations. I Every time I've gone vegetarian, vegan, and loaded up on plant-based nutrition that's like organic or local and rich in its natural water content I feel fantastic I'm usually fantasizing about a steak about two or three weeks in Uh, but uh, (laughs) um, what if if, if a guy like me who's admittedly a little bit lazy in the culinary regards what's like the lazy man's way of going fresh and raw you know what are some of the things that are easy to eat that you point people to
1: well, one of the things that uh, that we do is uh, we buy a lot of organic frozen vegetables and use them for smoothies, you know, good protein powders and such, reds, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, there's one... And I'll get Jeannie to put this recipe on that welcome page. There's one Caesar dressing that we serve at Heartland that everybody just goes gaga over and loves. And what we do is we make it by the gallon and refrigerate it and then just use a little bit of a time at a time. So, you know, one preparation maybe takes two hours to produce a gallon of this stuff that'll last you for weeks and weeks. And you just take enough out to put on you know, whatever kind of lettuces you'd like, that's an easy way to get something fresh and raw. And then, you know, especially if you're addicted to cooked foods, we see, suggest to people, and, and there's actually a book out there called The 12 Steps to Raw Food by a group called The Raw Family, and they treat cooked food as a drug. Because when you take cooked food into your mouth, if you're looking at white blood cells, the white blood cell count goes up. Like as if you had an infection. And mm. what's happening is the white blood cell count is actually trying to replace the lost enzymes and, and your immune system. A lot, a lot of the reason I believe why people are immune deficient or have challenges and are vulnerable to things like coronavirus is because they use their immune system to digest their food. Mm. It's the richest enzyme system in the in the structure. So if we start bringing enzymes in, food enzymes in with the food, then the food as much as 70%, it's estimated, of digestion occurs in the first 20 minutes in the upper part of the stomach. And there's no energy required of the body at all. That's one of the reasons why people tend to feel more vital on a fresh and raw diet. So that can be one way to do it. And then if you're, you know, if you're doing a lot of, of cooked food, starting off with, uh, with lightly steamed variety of vegetables, can be a great way to get started, and just slowly add a little more raw. I don't do 100% raw. We do that when we're doing an intensive, but we still eat cooked food and uh, and different foods of the culture. But we try to do, as you say, local and organic as much as possible.
0: Lovely, lovely, and, and guys yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, we just bought 65 acres for our family in Western North Carolina and we're forming a regenerative conscious community down there living in harmony with nature. And We're going to have a huge yeah. community garden and greenhouse oh, yeah. and uh, Western North Carolina. So like very, cl- very close to the Nanahala forest. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I'm yeah. only an hour and a half from you. We're up in Bristol, Virginia.
0: Get out of there. Thank All right. God. Awesome. We'll have to, left to, left to have great. you down. If you like. Yeah,
1: that'd be awesome. I'd love to get more information
0: about that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll send you, I'll send you a link after it. Uh, we just, we just finished up the website. And it's done on desktop. It'll be ready on mobile soon. And we got a great group of people coming together. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah cool. Beautiful. Um, this is great. Last, uh, last question or so. Um, I'd like to speak a little bit about some of the, the, Aramaic that was possibly removed from sacred texts that you consider to be the most uh, packed with wisdom or helpful in in someone who's on this journey to uh, emanating and radiating love, spending more time in a state of love, enlightenment, whatever, whatever you want to consider it. What are some of the, the, I don't want you to quote passages, you know what I'm saying? But maybe some of the principles.
1: I, I think it's not so much have been removed They've just been mistranslated. Uh huh. You know, if this guy Yeshua and his name isn't, you know, and the, the culture calls him Jesus, Jesus yeah. is yeah. Is, so Yahweh,
0: Yahweh is God. Yeshua is Yeshua. Jesus.
1: It was Yeshua? Yeah.
0: Yes, I, I and, refer to him as Yahweh and Yeshua when I'm praying, yeah. uh, just because it feels more congruent to me.
1: Well, there's another word that's been totally destroyed by the Greeks. Prayer in Aramaic is not putting your order into the cosmic gift catalog. Yeah. Telling God what God should be doing for you today. The word prayer actually means to set a trap for God, which sounds kind of strange in our culture. But when you think of it, you know, think of the TV antenna. If I want to watch Channel 2 and I've got the right antenna up there, that antenna is a trap for Channel 2. Shaped and oriented properly. It captures that signal. And I get a beautiful picture and sound on my TV. Mm-hmm. If somebody goes up and bends all the arms, turns it backwards, my picture's gone. So in Aramaic, when they said to Yeshua, teach us to pray. And they tell us he said the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, if I were a voice coach and Anthony said, Michael, teach me to sing. If I sang a song for you, what am I teaching you to sing? No,
0: I don't don't know how good of a singer you are.
1: You might incidentally (laughs) learn something about singing, but I wouldn't be teaching you to sing until I talk about the diaphragm and the breathing and the Mm -hmm. shape of the mouth and mouth action. That would be teaching you to sing. He didn't say a prayer. He taught them. He gave them a set of instructions for how to become the space, as this human form is designed to do, to reflect active love into the world. So what they call the Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer, it's a set of instructions. Here's how you align and orient yourself to become the space that reflects, that allows life, active love, to move through yourselves into the world. That's what was called the Lord's Prayer. It's not a prayer. I mean, everything's been just twisted, just, you know, a little bit off. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about when you're putting your order in the Cosmic Gift Catalog, that's properly called petition. I have a petition. I have a request of you. Right. But prayer is when I get to that space of connectedness, you know, I would suggest from what you've said to me, probably one of your deepest experiences of prayer was that experience you had where the shaman shaman said, you might feel like you're dying. and The non-being self moves out of the way and in comes life, love moving through a cell.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there any other practical recommendations for helping someone to do that maybe someone who says the Lord's prayer when they pray or you know pray is asking to to do God's work here on planet earth and be more love. like anything else that we could do to
1: you can find go that to space. my website you can go to why and all my notes on the Lord's prayer are there what the Lord they call the Lord's prayer yeah that'd be and great. uh so the, those notes are there and uh you know I mean every bit of work. We've got over 3000 hours in our archives for our radio show. You go back and listen in five days a week from one till two o'clock. If they wanna just call in, it's a, an internet show they can do on their computers, but most people just phone in and the call in number is 563-999-3581. If they call, they're listening to the show and we're there to ask question, answer questions two hours a day from uh, noon to two o'clock Eastern time. And so people are welcome to call and, and you know, start to work with the tools. We've got videos and audios free on our website there. We do have a, a DVD catalog that people can stream from It's also on the website. And, you know, our commitment is to take and this is a project. I started 50 years ago, started into the Aramaic, founded about 40 years ago that we're committed to making available to every mind, heart and being. And we do everything we can to put it out there. There is an app. If people go to uh, the app store on their phone and type in the words Heartland, all one word, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic, A-R-A-M-A-I-C, Forgiveness, they'll find the world's only forgiveness app. And you can do the forgiveness process right there on your phone. And if questions come up, call the radio show and ask. So what we're there for. Beautiful. And I will send you when I send you the Avison to try out, I'll send you a copy. There's a book that we've published called Enlightenment. I'm the director of a foundation. It's translating a copy of the oldest known New Testament, its original Aramaic language, into English. Oh, and that'd be awesome. We've got, there's a three-section book, a short description of the manuscript where it came from. There's some select passage from the New Testament with the Aramaic words left in brackets. And then there's a first century dictionary. Back in the 70s, we had 25 translators that worked really diligently to establish the first century meanings of those words so that dictionary is in there and you can start going and doing your own translation it's really oh
0: brilliant. so cool that's awesome I mean, the
1: attitudes thank you period. yeah yeah I'm, I'm,
0: I'm very excited for that guys why again welcome.org. and then in the app store you can enter uh, heartland aramaic forgiveness um dr michael rice last question Let's, it's in some ways, it feels at times like humanity is at a bit of a crossroads or at least a turning point. And if we were to imagine that everything that's going on in the world right now is God's plan, how do you see things unfolding?
1: Well, my offering would be that humanity, the plan was humanity's got free will. And just like you, know, you train your child and then you hand them their lives. What they do with it is up to them. I think there's been a lot of screwing up in the sense that the creator said you've got free will and whatever you do is up to you. It's all in the plan. But I don't think that you know somebody going out and committing this heinous crime and people a lot sometimes go, yeah, well see why would God, why would a God, a loving God, allow that? That loving God doesn't allow that. A loving God offers free will, and if that's what somebody does, that's what somebody does. There's a, a wonderful phrase that this physicist from 2000 years ago gave us. By the way, Yeshua was not a theologian. He was a physicist. He was a physiologist. He was a geneticist. He was a psychologist. He had the best of all of those fields tied totally together. And he said- Carpenter too, right? And a carpenter. Yeah, right. (laughs) A little leavening leavens the whole loaf. Now, I rest assured that he was not talking about bread. He was talking about humanity. It's only going to take- a small number. We don't have to go and get every raging insane mind to stop and do forgiveness and be love. But if we can get enough people through the gate who literally incarnate active, present love and physiology, it will create a critical mass. We have a, a granddaughter that's been circling the earth for about 28 months now. And from the time she was learning to talk, she calls my wife, Nini, and calls me Papa. And from the time she was learning to talk, I would turn to Nini and say, Nini, why are we here? And she'd say, to be love. And then she'd <laughs> say, Papa, why are we here? To be love. And now, if you say to Aria Rain, Aria Rain, why are we here? To be love. That's what we need to get into a critical mass of the culture. That's my take. 1%.
0: Beautiful. Well done. We're going to end on that. Dr. Michael Rice, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and time. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate Honor you, man. more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the biohacking secrets show.